Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you about another great podcast, The Mina Kimes Show, featuring Lenny. The NFL Draft is next week, and Mina and her expert guests have you covered for it all. That's The Mina Kimes Show, featuring Lenny. Listen where you are listening to this podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Right Time. My name is Bomani Jones. Thanks for listening wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for watching us on YouTube. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. It is Foxworth Friday. Dominique Foxworth, what's going on? Man, these playoff games got me swinging like a pendulum. I, I thought the Lakers was something special, and they have shown to us that we are that they are not. Well, first, I want to talk about this. We also got a little NFL stuff to get to along with the NBA playoffs, but I got to get back into the playoff nap habit, man. Like, I realized that I had not been, like, when I used to do morning radio, that was the thing. I had to get the playoff nap because that was the show. We was like, we were a basketball show, very heavy. Mm -hmm. And I haven't been getting them playoff naps in. And, like, even Minnesota, Denver on Wednesday night, I'm like, no, I got to stick with this. Like, can we get, can we get a blowout? I'm waiting for the Snowfall series finale to come on. And I'm looking at the Lakers. And the grizzle, and I'm like, yo, man, somebody do this definitively. Like, luckily, they got done just in time, but I got to make a lot of accommodations in my lifestyle in order to make this happen. I've been watching all the games except for the Nuggets games because I looked at that series before it started and was like, this one, I mean, I can watch this the day after. I can watch the highlights. This ain't going to be a big talker. Like, this one is over before it started with, with uh, Rudy doing shoulder punches before they even get into the series. Like, I, I, And I, I've been proven right every time. I look up the next morning like, yep, you made a good call. Well, I will say this. Game two was good. Um, of course, the thought from game two for me after coming out of it is, once again, everybody, what I keep trying to tell y'all yeah. about him. Mm-hmm. What I keep trying to tell y'all about yeah, tall, tall man. man. <laughs> yes. What do I keep trying to tell y'all about tall man? Don't nobody want to hear me. They think I got some sort of beef. And I'm just asking. Has it been long enough since, you know, all the hardship and turmoil for us to discuss the fact that Carl Towns had five turnovers and three made field goals? Are we allowed to talk about he had five fouls and three made field goals? Is it okay to bring this up at this point? Say what you want, but Rudy put up 19. Yeah, that ain't even what Rudy there for. Rudy Rudy there to protect the rim and to make sure that Carl don't have to be big man on defense. Essentially, that's why he's there. And he ain't doing it. Everybody was doing their job. Ant-Man was unreal. Uh-huh. And then Tall Man just didn't have it for you. Oh, and Jamal Murray scored 40. 40. And I would like to note, because I don't want to be the guy where you feel like you ain't giving credit to the right person. And a lot of that 40 certainly had to do with Jamal Murray. And Jamal Murray's ability to score 40 is why they're a viable contender to win the West. But that also happens because he's running the two-man game with that man. <laughs> and that makes it really hard for you to decide what it is that you're going to do. Because what you really don't want is Yogi to get the ball on that roll. Because either he get somebody getting a bucket yeah. once he got that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's obvious that Yogi is the first priority for any defense. And it's hard when the first priority as far as stopping is also a great passer. Uh, and that's probably what he does. Not probably. That is what he does best. Yes. Yeah. And to have, of course, like I, I think even Jamal Murray would obviously not uh, dispute the fact that he's made better by 
Nikola Jokic. Like Jamal yes. Murray is not for anybody's. He's not the number one guy on any like real contender. I think even he would believe that. Nah, but right there, it's perfect. It's perfect because I don't think Jamal Murray is as good as other people do. But I also yeah. appreciate the value of somebody who could do what he does in the playoffs. Yeah. Like I think Trey Young's the most overrated player in the NBA. I also recognize that having a Trey Young can be the thing that puts you over, right? You just need him to do it more consistently than he probably can. But there are skills there that are like, hey, somebody got to come out here and take this shot. The NBA thinks Trey Young is overrated too. Like you ain't the only one. The players <laughs> I saw that. believe him to be overrated. Man, saw, that's got to hurt. You saw that athletic poll? Yeah. Why they yeah. do that? I mean, I get it. It's entertaining. I appreciate it. I read it. But gosh, as if these guys, like we talk about their mental health situation and all that and how social media is killing everybody. And they just like, man, you can't hide. We're going to go ask your friends which one of you guys we want to punch the most. We're going to ask your friends which one of you guys ain't as good as we think you are. Then we're going to print it. It, uh, well, I guess not printed. We're going to post it for everybody to discuss on their shows the next day. Damn. Yeah, just so you guys know, the Athletic does their player poll every year, and they have all the different questions, and one of them is the most overrated player in the NBA. And 31% was other, which is just some hodgepodge or whatever, right? But no, the guy who got the most votes individually was Trey Young, and it was around 14% of the respondents said Trey Young. But that wasn't the one that jumped out to me. The one that jumped out to me was 6.6 for Austin Reeves, which I could only take as uh, hateration, holleration in this blackery. That was the only thing that I could see that as being like, hey, I actually now think Austin Reeves might be a little underrated. And I say that because you look at him and you're like, okay, cool, white dude. You know what I mean? And you yeah. hear the stuff around. I mean, granted, the Lakers fans chanting MVP. That that's That's not what we talk about here, right? But... Overall, no, nah, that dude is an NBA player, Jack 6'6", with handles, jumpers, and, and capable defense. Yeah, I mean, I was probably underrating him, too, because, like, I I assume that he's going to get that bonus. He's going to get a little bit yes. of bump, and we talked about it before. There, There is going to be, like, a discount applied to any white player that comes in the NBA. There's a discount. We're going to assume, and the players themselves assume that he may not be that good but once he showed that he good there's gonna be a boost go too far yeah and i and i was like oh yeah y'all done probably gone too far but the man showed up (laughs) at least in game one he showed up and he's he's been good he's been a difference maker for this team when lebron was out so yeah calling him overrated and it's it's so quick too like he just showed up this year you can't be overrated already yeah i feel i feel like he's properly rated right now actually right like there's a perhaps an enthusiasm about his proper rating that exceeds Mm -hmm. that which is normally the case for a player on that level but no i think that right now he's about properly rated but i want to talk about game two because i guess we had this happen in that game and on the same night in miami milwaukee where the stars were out and the other dudes are like, all right, on my back. And by the way, it was two teams that have done significant time without their stars and played well in the regular season yeah. without those dudes. Now, with Ja, I think there is a fair question to ask about what exactly his contribution to winning is on a game-to-game basis. Like, his situational contribution, there's no question about that. But this is the second year in a row that they've done significant time without him playing, and it looked like they was all right. But you can say the same for the Bucks, and I don't have any questions about the impact of Giannis in winning, right? Maybe that's because they've been champions, that they could pick it up as they did. But you know what we're talking about from Memphis, Milwaukee. 
<laughs> officially in game two, Dylan Brooks finally got all LeBron's damn nerves. Lance Stevenson didn't even get all LeBron's nerves. This dude got all LeBron's nerves and then said, hey, he old. He 40. I wish I could have played against the Heat version of LeBron. And LeBron is going to try to give him that opportunity. Unfortunately, he can only do that for about six, seven minutes. <laughs> Dylan Brooks said, I poke bears. Like, I, I couldn't help. Like, since we've talked about this, I've been more conscious of, like, the characters in the sport and how few of them there, there are. And even when Dylan Brooks does things that I find annoying, I can't be annoyed by him because I do like the characters. Like, this is something that is fun and interesting. Them damn glasses. I don't know if them glasses is, is goofy or if that's what the kids is rocking these days. But either way, they were funny to me with your chain on your chest out. When he had that perm and all, I mean, I guess it wasn't a perm. I don't know what he was doing. Like all of it. It's just something. It's just something a little ancillary to give you like a taste of this character and bouncing down the court after you hit a three in LeBron's face. That sucks for LeBron. It's fun for me. Oh, it's fun for everybody. I tell you this too, man. The Lakers need to pump that boy head up as much as they can. Yeah. They need to gas him up as much as possible. Because when it was getting late, and he made at least one of these. I think he made two of them. But they try to run out the clock, and it's five seconds left on the shot clock, and he's shooting 30-footers. That's what you want. You want him. Like, late in that game, the Lakers would have been better off if he nailed every single one of those. Like, you need to get that dude believing that he is something that he simply is not. And that is your best chance out there. But when LeBron started going back and forth with him, it was like, oh, we're going to learn a lot. And the lead did shrink after that. But it wasn't because LeBron was just like, okay, I've had enough of your shenanigans. Because LeBron just can't do it like that no more. Yeah. And I felt like they wound up in the worst situation in that game that they could wind up with. Hey, Anthony Davis, we need you to be that guy tonight. This is a game that you're supposed to come in and put away. And he over there looking at LeBron like, what, you, what, what we going to do, boss? That got to be a real bad, bad feeling. I remember coming back from my ACL and – I'm not LeBron, and I'm sure everybody has experiences where, whether it's physical or mental or whatever, where you ain't quite the same. I, I was always like a fast guy. Like, that was my thing. And Torrey Smith, I, he went to Maryland, but he was on the Ravens with me. I lined up across from him, and I played across him all the time, and he was incredibly fast, probably like 40 times faster than me. But I always like could stay with him. I came back like first practice from returning from my knee surgery was guarding him in one on ones. He put in another gear. I attempted to do so. It was like, nah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> this ain't, you ain't who you were. You ain't who you were. And for LeBron James, where it's like at no point. I mean, I, I really have a hard time remembering any time where it felt like somebody just was like better than him. Like it was always better teams tough situations and whenever there was like they I think the ESPN Daily did a thing on the LeBron antagonists from from in the past and he vanquished all of them pretty much and we in even a position if it took a while yeah even if it took a while <laughs> Jason Terry <laughs> um, but we're in a position right now where he he reaching in that bag and he ain't got uh, too many mushrooms left in there to power up on. <laughs> he don't got no stars. <laughs> he don't got no stars or nothing. Ugh. Yo, Star LeBron was the best version of LeBron. That, like that's that that is the best way to put it. LeBron would get that Mario star, and then he out there looking like Bo Jackson on Tech Mobile. People falling off of him. He doing whatever it is that need be done. And look, I keep saying this: what he's doing for his age is so incredible. 
right? Like you don't want to lose sight of that. But this team is built in such a way that doesn't allow for LeBron to be LeBron year 20. And Anthony Davis is supposed to be the guy that stops that. And he just still has too many games under those circumstances. Like, don't get it twisted. He had five blocks, right? Mm -hmm. He got nine boards. Like, it's not like he didn't contribute anything at all, but they needed buckets. Yeah. And he couldn't get them buckets. I said before the playoffs, excuse me, I said before the playoffs started that I thought that everybody was overhyping the Lakers and I don't see this happening. And then all it took was one win. And a jaw injury for me to be like, well, maybe. Oh yeah, I was. Oh yeah, I was right there. I was right there. <laughs> well, maybe. But then after watching this game, it's again, it's the problems that we all expected. It's like LeBron can't be LeBron, and uh, I mean, he can't be the LeBron that we conjure in our minds, except for every now and then. Uh, and even if he could for a series, he can't do it for three series in a row. And even if AD can be bubble AD or what he was in the first game, or what he was at the end of the season for the course of the entire playoffs, if you don't got no, like, legit number two, and, like, Austin Reeves is your number two, if LeBron can't be it, that's a lot to ask. And AD couldn't even be a number one last night, it felt like. Well, this is the other damning thing, too. The Lakers don't really have a lot of size inside. Mm-mm. Like, they, Anthony Davis is tall, man, but they don't have any big man. And Xavier Tillman went 10 for 13 mm-hmm. for 22 points. 13 rebounds like the thing for the Lakers that I thought should have terrified them coming out of game one even if they wanted is that they let the Grizzlies who have been an inefficient offensive team all season long put up a lot of buckets this game they clamped them right I want to say the Grizzlies shot something like 42 from the floor 30 from three something like that and the Lakers still didn't win right like that's 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 a little dicey I'll tell you the other thing that I find to be interesting I said coming into this postseason, one of the things where I think the NBA had erred to a degree, not erred, but it just wound up this way, that the seedings didn't seem to match our idea of who the best was or wasn't. Like, it just almost seemed like they randomly picked names out of a hat to decide who would play. But if you watch as this is gone, Denver's up 2-0. Sacramento's up 2-0. The Grizzlies just won one without John Moran. Um, Won one in both of the 4-5 series. Milwaukee just won one without Giannis, and Miami shot way over their heads in game one, which means that's probably not going to be replicated. The Sixers are dominating the Nets. Mm-hmm. The Hawks are dominating the Celtics. Maybe these seeds... Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, maybe the... It's, yeah, come on, the Hawks ain't dominated nobody <laughs> in the playoffs. Yeah. I'm 42 years old. I ain't seen to happen <laughs> once. Not a damn time. They may have swept somebody. I'm here to tell you now. They didn't dominate them because they was wearing Hawks jerseys. (laughs) Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training. Just in time for summer and warmer days. I've been in the gym a little bit trying to get my fitness in check so I can break these skinny allegations I keep getting. Spring is the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering off. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute course session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance. Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals while challenging yourself at every level. Now you can catch up on your favorite NBA games with NBA League Pass while you push yourself to new levels of fitness. 
Watch your favorite games and win your workouts with NBA League Pass on Peloton and visit OnePeloton.com. Peloton all-access membership and NBA League Pass subscription required. DeMar Hamlin has been cleared to play football again, which kind of got me thinking about the idea of the counterintuitive notion of a doctor telling you playing football is okay. (laughs) That that feels like an SNL sketch. Yeah, you are cleared to go run through that brick wall. Knock yourself out. It, yeah, especially for the, the man who like was his heart stopped. Yeah, like, but I, I think can't. That, I think right. that man looking up like what else I'm supposed to do though. No, I'm not judging him. I get it. I guess from his perspective, I just have to recognize how selfish I am when it comes to the Demar Hamlin story. Because everything about the Demar Hamlin, if I'm being completely honest, it's about me. It's about how I feel watching them celebrate him in the playoffs. Like, this is not a celebratory story to me. This is not like, at least not for football. This is not for the NFL to celebrate. This is for DeMar Hamlin to celebrate, his family to celebrate, the emergency workers and and training staff that saved him to celebrate. But it felt weird for me, for the NFL and Tony Romo. Like, look at DeMar Hamlin throwing up the heart sign. It felt weird. And this all feels strange to me. And even when it happened, as much as like I felt for DeMar Hamlin, I'll be honest, I, I didn't think twice about DeMar Hamlin before that day, but that night I felt for him, but I was really feeling for me and feeling for everybody else that I know that was watching it. And I guess that's what's going through my mind again. It's like, yeah, it's his life. He can do what he want with it. But for me, it's going to be hard. It's going to be real hard for me to watch DeMar Hamlin play football again. And God forbid he get like a concussion or something. And he laying on the field. I don't need that in my life. Well, well the problem is they're going to talk about him all the time. Yeah. Like, if they just threw him out there in a Buffalo Bills suit and it never came up. Like you said, I ain't never thought about that man. And I've watched a lot of Buffalo Bills games yeah. over the last few years. I ain't thought about that man one time. I, with them, one of them Edmonds brothers. I know he played for them. Yep. Um, you know, Von Miller, they had him for a stretch. Micah Hyde, that's the one uh, that'd be annoying on Twitter. Is that is that him or is that the other one? They, uh, oh, I'm thinking about the dude in Cincinnati. Jordan something? Poirier, yeah, he's there. Oh, oh okay. It's one, yeah, one, of them, one of them dudes in Buffalo. We don't agree yeah. on stuff, as I recall, from his yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Twitter situation. But yeah, me, me, these me and Jordan Poirier had, had a Twitter chat, too. Yes, that guy. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, right. yes. That guy. So all these guys, even I could be like, yo, what's his name? DeMar Hamlin was not even in the what's his name Mm-mm. category. Yeah. He's a backup safety. And they had enough injuries that he was playing a lot. And, like, I don't mean it as judgment. Like, it's fine. I was a backup corner for a lot of my career. It's fine. But he is now something way more than that to all of us. Yes. And and I, I assume that the Twitter reaction, I saw some of the Twitter reaction was like, don't do it. Reconsider. Read some literature on the subject. <laughs> but, I mean, it's his life. He can do what he want with it. If he's been cleared to do it, then, like, as it's all been explained to us, it's like a fluke occurrence. He got hit in just the right spot. That's not likely to happen again. But also, I know football players can put all this stuff out of their mind. I mean, fuck, I, I was one. You can put it all out of your mind, the dangers, and continue to play. But not if it actually happened to you. If you, if you saw the pearly gates – you just going to walk back out there and do it again? I don't got that type of mental strength. <laughs> I no. can't do it no more. You also got options. Yeah, that's fair. You know, like that's uh, the options thing. Like I look at that. If you focus your whole life on doing this one thing, 
Yeah. And we see this happen all the time with pl former players. Like, so what do I do now? But what happens in the what I do? What do I do now is when you're at like 22 and you've been. I don't think any of these cats is treating their money like, hey man, I got three good years. No, they're like, I'm here, baby. Let's make it work. Like, I'll start stacking if I get that extension, right? Yeah. But here, so I just, yeah, it's it's. I remember when he woke up in the hospital and his first question was, "Did we win?" And the NFL media was so celebratory of that, and I was like, "Oh, that's terrifying." You and me were on the same page with that one, man. That's that's <laughs> like. And I, I try not to be judgmental of that sort of stuff because I guess I was like that at one point too. But I don't, if I was like that, I don't remember when it was early in my career or something mm -hmm. where it was like nothing else mattered. And we say that. I mean, even the, the guy who you think is the most team guy, most passionate player that you believe in, I don't know who he is. He says that nothing's more important than winning. He's lying because he's a human being there are things that are more important than winning because he's normal i can't imagine actually and i guess demar hamlin probably woke up he was feeling fine it wasn't like yeah only that it matters we win but that's how the story got played and it's like he's he's such an intense competitor right. let's celebrate this if that's if the hierarchy of needs in your life and football is the number one thing that ain't okay that's not to be celebrated well also to be fair to him i believe that he thought it was still monday night you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like yeah. he think he just, oh, I mean, he doesn't know, at least as far as I could tell. Like, they said he checked out on the field. So he didn't <laughs> know what was going on. So as far as he knows, he just had this thing happen. And he's like, oh, snap, so we win? Yeah. You yeah, know, he doesn't sad. know it's five days later. He was not He was not conscious when they was doing chest compressions. Right. And, and cutting his shoulder pads off and unscrewing his face mask. All He was, he was not conscious. He woke up in the hospital bed. And was like, oh, so yo, la last yo. thing I remember was going in for a tackle. What happened after that? Yo, what if somebody's idea was, hey, I don't think we should tell them what happened. <laughs> right? Like, if you could like, hide the news from him just a little yeah. while so he never got a yeah. chance to go read about it. Like, no, 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 no. Just tell him. Just tell him. Uh, he just blacked out. <sighs> I mean, it, I don't think it would matter, honestly, because he still want to play. Or at least it seems like yeah. he still wants to play. I don't know. I'm rooting for him. I hope that it becomes the feel-good story that we all want it to be, but it, it just makes me incredibly nervous. And I'm shocked that the NFL ain't find some doctors to tell him no. They need to send some other doctors because I the risk ain't worth the reward for them. Yeah. You know, like having this story drummed up again and talked about again ain't worth it to them. Having the chance of something bad happening to him again, it ain't worth it to them. And they they need to give this man a big stack of money. And tell him to go somewhere. Have you seen these reports that the Texans are like, no, we're not going to take a quarterback at number two because their plan is that they figure they can get Will Levis later. And so they're going to go ahead and yeah. do that. And of course, there's always a measure of gamesmanship that takes place at this point in the draft. And I may be wrong about this, but I feel like if your argument about your quarterback of the future is, Nah, we can get him here. Are you sure that dude is good enough uh, yeah. for you to to hang your hopes on? The so yeah, I think my feeling about that is it's either really dumb or really smart. It's nowhere in between. Like it's not a little dumb. It's not a little smart because if this comes from a place of humility, not 
we can get our guy later is that we don't actually know because none of us actually know. And the more important thing is to build a roster that's ready to, uh, to nurture a young quarterback than wasting a top pick when it's not a guy that we just feel like is, I don't know, uh, Andrew Luck is the example that comes to mind or Trevor Lawrence. Then yeah, that's probably the smart thing to do is not reach for the quarterback. How many times has reaching for a quarterback actually panned out? It doesn't really work out because these desperate teams are not overturned by just one player. So, like, if that's the reason behind it, I'm with you. But if you're like, if you're watching the film and you're like, man, we really like Will Levitt, but nobody else do. Let's get him later. That's just dumb. Yeah, see, that's that's my. I remember that draft with Dwayne Haskins, rest in peace, fell to 16, and we had all had the how could you take Daniel Jones over Dwayne Haskins discussion, which, by the way, at the time did feel like a perfectly legitimate thing to say, still in, a, in some ways did. Like, I looked at the Dwayne Haskins high school clips once because I was just trying to figure out, and I was like, oh, my God, this dude looks like an NFL quarterback right now. And Daniel Jones, I mean, just because they gave him the money didn't mean, don't mean I think that he was good for six, but I appreciated the Giants for the fact of if you think he's your guy, then you take yeah. him at six, right? Yeah. Like, that's where you go. And so with Levis... I feel like him is the same Kenny Pickett situation where there, that's a guy you get at 20. Like maybe like I'd rather take a quarterback in the second round than take one in the middle of the first. Like I just feel like if nobody else wants it and with Levis, hey man, I'm just begging to get aggregated right now, but whatever. You and I both know a lot about this world. You and I both know a lot about the NFL. It's four quarterbacks that we talking about in the first round. Just about everybody thinks that Will Levis is number four of four. I lived in a world where they put Cam Newton, Jake Locker, and Blaine Gabbert on the cover of Sports Illustrated and said, the toughest decision. Okay? If ain't nobody trying to say that Will Levis is better than any of them, then I feel very confident that Will Levis is not better than any of them. We are not yet in the level of progress where if everybody want to take all the black dudes, even the one that can't shoot straight, then this dude, (laughs) this dude right here, probably just ain't that good. Yeah, the fact that they have not built up some narrative about trust and comfort and reliability uh, is why you take Will Levitz over Anthony Richardson. Like, people ain't even doing that. Nope. Then I, I get you. They just like, yeah. No, nah, I mean, if, if Will there, you you scoop him up. I mean, the, <laughs> this is, I get your point about the first and second round. The one difference is the, the fifth-year option is, yes. like, that's why, yeah. Well, that's why, but, like, for example, I understood the Ravens going to get Lamar yeah. at 32 specifically right. for that. Who look what that got us. <laughs> <laughs> and now they don't know what they're doing. That's, did you say, yeah, you did talk about the, um, the Jalen contract and um good for, I yeah, having, yeah. I, actually i forgot we didn't actually go deep about that like uh-huh. a good for him yeah two that's about to go on rate for that guy uh-huh. and three i feel like this is this contract and burrow and or herbert will get us closer to a lamar resolution because the market is not going to be nearly as free form and now who knows maybe lamar's like i'm better than joe burrow pay me more than joe burrow but i still think that this this helps things make more sense it does um, if Lamar is going to react to it. That's the thing is, like, I get that it changes the environment. It changes the water that Lamar is swimming in. But if he don't care, he don't care. 
and he still realizes that the Ravens don't have a quarterback. I'm their quarterback. So I don't care what anybody else is signing for. And only only way it impacts Lamar is if he cares about the public pressure. And we've gotten no indication that he does because the public's going to turn on him if it hasn't already. Once Jalen signed and there's enough quarterbacks have signed and Jalen's a, a, a great young quarterback. Whereas before you could say Russell and um, and Kyler, like those signings, Lamar is like, that don't got nothing to do with me. They're not in my class. Jalen's in your class. And so that that's that's what I mean. Once we get closer to it, people are going to say, well, Lamar, it's not happening. This is what these guys took. You need to take it also. And that matters if Lamar gives a damn <laughs> about the people saying that. And I don't know that he does. And again, this goes back to the not having an agent point. An agent would care. And the agent would be like, hey, let's go ahead and let's I'm, I'm going to be the mediator. But let's go ahead and settle us up when there ain't no mediator. Yeah, get sticky. Yeah. Like, uh, you're not going to get this. Right. Yeah. Like that's part of the agent. I remember once I was negotiating a contract with ESPN. It's my first contract I'd ever negotiated. And some woman who worked at the company at the time told me what somebody else made. And it was far more than I ever thought that I, in fact, I remember the number was $120,000 and this was the year 2006. So I'm 25, 26 years old when this is going on. And so now that's what I think I'm getting. I ultimately got 55 thousand dollars just to be clear but i remember i talked to bill simmons about it at the time and the example he gave me was great he said well just because some team was dumb enough to give the name 50 billion dollars doesn't mean they got to give you 50 billion dollars right and i'm like fair fair <laughs> totally get it and that's the problem with, with lamar is Lamar has set the line that he thinks is appropriate according to an incredibly rash decision that nobody else would have made. Right. Yeah. Because say what you want. It ain't even just about they not doing the full guaranteed part of it. They not trying to guarantee nearly as much money on any of these other deals. They just like, yo, he good for him. He got the Willy Wonka golden ticket. You better enjoy this chocolate. <laughs> it's a lot of chocolate, too. I mean, if the reports are true, which I don't know that um, they offered him something similar to to what Jalen got. And it's like, man, that's that. Forget the public pressure. It's going to be hard. If that contract is on the table, it's going to be hard to leave 177 guaranteed on the but table. The, the problem is he's better than Jalen Hurts. I agree. However, I that, and, right. That's the that's the, 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 to it line with what you were talking about before, <laughs> how much he's affected by it. He's like, all right, cool. So 200 did. Because, man, can you imagine if it was Lamar Jackson and all them, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith? <laughs> Lamar. And it's like, Jalen was a bad pocket passer. And now he's a good pocket passer. And the concepts that they're running there are not overly complex. This is something that Lamar could do, but they made a decision to lean in on like running this kind of old school offense around Lamar's running ability, which you can build a more modern offense around his running ability. And that will require you to get uh, some modern receivers <laughs> and actually spread out, which like I never, I guess I, the, the thing I understand is you want to have bigger formations because you end up with bigger guys on the field who can't run with Lamar. But I don't understand why you don't spread teams out with Lamar because that, that gives like more lanes for him, more opportunities for receivers. But 
who am I? I don't know nothing. I just talk about things on into a microphone. Yeah, I would think just like how do we encourage these teams to play as much man coverage as possible? Exactly. Exactly. Like that's what it's got to be. How do we get guys to turn their backs RPO. to the line of scrimmage? RPO, like the RPO game, I think forces people into man coverage because the point of the RPO game is to put zone defenders in conflicts, run past conflicts, and make them decide. And so, like, it's really hard to stop any RPO offense when you are in a zone situation. Because, like, the curl flat defender is also re responsible for a run gap. So we got to play man. Because then in man, you don't have to read the RPO. You're just like, all right, this is my man. I'm going where he go. If he blocks me, then I'll shed the block, make the tackle. If he run a route, I'm going to guard him. And then, and then you end up with Lamar with everybody with their back turned. <laughs> then you got a decision to make. Do I score running the ball or do I throw it? This is the thing I was thinking about with the Texans. If the plan for them is cool, we'll just take Will Anderson. I'm not, you know, I ain't a super draft expert, but I ain't there. Like Will Anderson is not Nick Bosa. Will Anderson is not Chase Young. Like yeah. I, I, I know enough to know that boy plays high. Yeah. Like his base is high. Like that one, that could be a bad idea. You got to trade back. Like when there are four quarterbacks in the draft and you got a top five pick, you got to trade back or get one of them quarterbacks. There's no other, like, I, I mean, unless, like, unless there's somebody like Micah who slipped to, what, like, 12 yeah. in his draft, unless there's somebody like that, I guess Vaughn Miller is a better example, uh, a player who you just know is going to be, like, one of them tackles that you just, like, know, you know what, my quarterback is not going to have to worry about his blind side. If not, you got to move back because that pick is too valuable for you to walk out with somebody who you like, who you think is a perennial starter, but not a perennial pro bowler, not yeah. a future hall of fame, because I think you can build a championship roster. Even if you don't have a great quarterback, you can build a competitive roster around a future hall of famer on a rookie contract, which the, the Broncos went and won a super bowl because they had Vaughn Miller on a rookie contract, not because they had Peyton Manning out there <laughs> throwing them things. Look, man, you got to, I feel like, especially with those edge rushers, that for me is an outright jump off the screen position. Did you see the story about the dude, the Aaron Donald, like, light version that Pitt has coming out? Collide or something, I can't remember what his last name is, but he's another one of these, like, 6'1", 280-pound defensive tackles out of Pitt that's looking to go in the first round, and he didn't take no visits? Mm-hmm. Yo, that's the hero we need right there. Like, I've really stopped and thought about this. What is the purpose of going on the, like, maybe you try to talk these teams into taking you, but all these trips don't serve you. They don't. They, you got to go wherever they say. Yeah, they, they, they don't serve you. I mean, you don't feel like you have the leverage to, to reject them, though, is the thing that it comes right. down to. But you need everyone to be like, nah, because you know what the stories when people reject those things come out is, or the, the opinions are, that he's not going to be compliant, which yeah. is more important than talent in some buildings is compliance. And yeah, I, I guess I'm with you. Like they don't learn anything. It doesn't help you at all. I mean, I guess you go visit the city, see if you want to yeah. live there, but it ain't up to you. Right. As I was saying, we can just talk about this on Zoom. Like <laughs> I don't need to take a tour of the facility. Like when, whatever this facility is, I'm going to just be here. Got yeah. it. Like, you know, right. It's the leverage thing. You're like, oh man, if we do this, we're going to keep falling and nobody's going to take me. And that does apply to probably 250 of the guys in the draft. Mm -hmm. But if I'm at the top, I ain't going nowhere. <laughs>
<laughs> like either you gonna do this or you not. <laughs> like like take a Nick Bosa for example. Right. Nick Bosa, there was nothing he could do with San Francisco wasn't going to take him number two. Why? Because they weren't stupid. Now, were they stupid enough to take Solomon Thomas instead of uh, Deshaun Watson or Patrick Mahomes? Perhaps. But that shows you they not so stupid they going to pass up on Nick Bosa because they took Solomon Thomas. <laughs> that, um, uh, I mean, but also, I think it's probably pretty cool. Like, I remember the visits I went on. It was like kind of, you've been dreaming about being in the NFL your whole life. And the Tennessee Titans want me to come to their facility. I sat down and did a psych eval. And the, and the psychologist was like, you the, this is the best eval we've ever done, blah, 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 blah. I can't wait to talk to coach about it. I was feeling good. First round come around, you know who they drafted? Mm. Pac-Man Jones. They did. Yeah, so like, clearly, no disrespect to Pac-Man, it is quite clear to me that the psych eval had no bearing on the pl- <laughs> on the player that they was getting. They was looking for a dog, yo, and, and, and they got a dog. <laughs> I'll never forget this. By the way, the thing about Pac Man that people need to get is that the psych eval was probably fairly adventurous, but he's one of those really smart dudes. Yeah, like the biggest problem with Pac Man is that he was smart enough to rationalize. But like the people I know who know Pac Man from Atlanta have great jobs, and they know him from school. Yep. You know. But I'll never forget, we had heard all the stuff about Pac-Man going into that draft. And then they did the shot where they go to Pac-Man's house and they show Pac-Man and his family. And he had a piece on about this big, all diamonds of a Pac-Man. And I was like, "Uh uh-oh. He came to the Rookie Symposium. So the Rookie Symposium is like a three-day event where they try to teach you all the stuff about being a professional athlete. Like, uh... Don't go here. Don't do that. Don't get in trouble. This is how you spend your money, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, we all just fly in there and we wear our sweatpants. Pac-Man showed up in the sweats like everybody else. I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of jewelry he had on his neck, but he wore that thing to the symposium and sat right down. It was the, it was, he stood out. It was clear that he was here for a different reason than the rest of y'all. And you should be grateful that he even showed up. But yeah, your um your assessment about Pac-Man being a smart guy is true from everything I've heard. Also, like I don't mean no disrespect to him, but yeah, I can't but- imagine that if you can if you was concerned about character, <laughs> as as they say, that's what they were looking for. Yes, Pac-Man did not have the history that would that would um allow you to breathe easy. But he could ball. I also want to point out that Pac-Man Joe. First of all, he played corner well into his 30s. No matter how many years he took mm-hmm. off in between, it's crazy. That man also had 96 straight punt returns without a fair catch. That is the the most. Do you need to know who we are talking about here? <laughs> that man went eight years uh, without calling for. He ain't scared. It just hit me. <laughs> it just hit me. They did the psyche valve, and to the psychologist. I passed the psyche valve. Yes. To the, to the football coaches. <laughs> Pac-Man was the dude that they wanted, and boy, were they right. <laughs> Dog, he just, he, he, I can't, eight years without being like, nah, this looks like a bad idea. Nope, 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 nope. That's not, that's not, that's, that's not, that's not how Pac-Man. Oh, man, I returned punts in high school, and I got to college. They was like, go over there, that's where the punt returners go. I was like, before you even punt the ball, that seems like a bad idea. Every punt return seemed like a bad idea to me. Yes. No punt return seemed like a bad idea to Pac-Man. He read it. He, he will read it. And he, he stretched it out. It's, it's actually a fascinating story. Now he's taking care of Chris Henry's kid. I don't yeah, know if you've seen that. that, which is yeah. actually like real heartwarming. Because 
God, I have so many Pac-Man stories that I cannot tell here. They are all just, wow. It's it, He's a nature versus nurture discussion. Like if Pac-Man Jones grew up in my house, mm-hmm. some things are the same, but some things are different. However, if I grew up in Pac-Man Jones' <laughs> house over there on Boat Rock, I don't make it out. <laughs> and, and not because I don't not because I go to the penitentiary because I'm never coming outside <laughs> me either you and me both <laughs> oh man but that is Dominique Foxworth check him out on Get Up check him out on Anscape check him out on Debatable and of course check out the Dominique Foxworth show available wherever you are listening to this podcast my man I appreciate you appreciate it yeah this this week on the show I had some bars for Stephen A he came from my hairline like of all people he did, he did. He did. It was a bad camera angle. <laughs> it's not your hairline. You do, and I look at your older clips too. You, it's not that you got a hairline situation. You do have a lot of forehead. Yeah, got a lot. It's fine. It, it works. It's not time to give up though, because when he he had called called me out, my first response was like, "Man, am I? Is it time to to come on home?" As Bomani would say. But no, I think I think I got a couple of years left in me. No, Stephen A would come home, except honestly, ain't everybody's head built for that. Yeah. Like, he would look like Jiminy Cricket if he came home. <laughs> like, if you you could just take a look at it, like the way the shape goes, and he kind of, like, the head ain't that big, but he come out in the cheek, <laughs> you know? And, like, like it wouldn't quite go. He wouldn't quite be in the Ninja Turtle category. That's them dudes <laughs> that got, like, you know you know the Ninja Turtles, right? The we dudes that go clean. Yeah, yeah, dude, yeah, the dudes that go clean shaving, and they take, mm-hmm. they, and they, they look like Ninja Turtles, right? <laughs> he would not be in the Ninja Turtle space. Like LeBron, LeBron ain't got, he got that strawberry head. He ain't got the dome that, that, that it's a little too big on top of it. Oh, so he got to try to fight and try to make it work. I got lucky. My dome was ready for this. You know yeah. what I'm saying? The Joneses I mean, I, was prepared. You could make it I, work. Yeah, I think I could pull off the ball. I mean, I was sh- as short all my life, but yeah, your, your point about the forehead is fair because like from the side, I feel like it looked better. That's what, Look, but, you know, you'll know when it's time to come home. When yeah, I got Ashley, a year or two left. Yeah, when, when Ashley tell you to bring your ass home. <laughs> that, is, that is the arbiter of whether right. or not you need to come home. But, all right. All right. All right. Did that run through. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on The Right Time. Remember, call the voicemail line, 860-516-4119. Thinking about Dylan Brooks. Tell us about the time that you've seen somebody talk a little too much smack and pick up and what happened. Bonus points if it's actually your story. Don't hide. You knew you had it coming. 860-516-4119. That is the telephone number. Adi Khan, Parker Owens, and Dan Stancic handling everything behind the scenes. Thank you, gentlemen. Remember, follow the right time. Rate us. Review us. Give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. And we'll talk to you guys in a couple of days. Take it easy. Thanks for checking out The Right Time with Bomani Jones Podcast. You can listen or follow on the ESPN app or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Right Time with Bomani Jones.